Well, praise the Lord. Thank God. You may have your seats this morning. It's good to see you in God's house. Some of you, it's been a while. We're glad to see you. Some of you, it's been a long while. We're glad to see you too. Amen. Uh, it's nice to have the family back together again, isn't it? For just, even if it's just for a few hours, God is so good to give us this time together. And I'm glad to see you here, those who are listening in this morning, wherever you may be. Uh, we miss you, but uh, we're glad you're listening in today, and we're praying for you. God will bring you back to the house of the Lord as soon as possible. Amen. You're going to open your Bibles this morning to the fifth chapter of James. That'll be our New Testament reading. And then in the, after that, we'll go back to 1 Kings chapter 16 for our Old Testament reading. While you're doing that, let me remind you that if you have offerings, tithes, or any other gifts you wish to make to the church, we no longer pass a plate. We have a little box there in the back. You can make your donation there. Or if you're listening in today, you can do it at our website, L-H-C-O-G-F-L. .org. There you can go and use the Givelify option or PayPal or however you would like to do it. You can mail it here to the church. We'll, we'll take it any way you want to give it. We thank you for it. We thank God for you for continuing to support the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me invite you this afternoon to be on the prayer call. And on Wednesday night at 7.45, same number for all services, 701-801-6266, for prayer, for a Bible study. Uh, we don't know how much longer all this nonsense is going to go on, but we're glad that uh, we live at a time where the technology allows us to at least hear the Word and hear one another's prayers as we live in that day that uh, I believe the prophets foretold. Amen? I do want to make the, uh, the, the special announcement that the international bishop, Dr. Hill, has called for today to be a day of prayer and intercession for the Church of God, especially specifically here in the U.S., but also, of course, the churches of God all around the world. Um, we understand the circumstances. We understand what's going on all around us, the medical uh, condition, the social unrest, the economic difficulties, the political difficulties. And, of course, as this affects us individually, we should also be reminded that it affects our churches. As, uh, I know a lot of churches have uh, returned to simply doing online or, or uh uh, audio services. They're no longer meeting again. Um, I heard, I've, I've, I know that there are some churches that simply are not going to reopen their doors. Uh, they just cannot sustain uh, what they're doing in this environment uh, with a physical place. You know, this impacts everybody. This impacts uh Big churches and small churches. It impacts churches in the cities and in the country. And, and uh, so we're just going to have a time of intercession and prayer before we leave today for the church. But more specifically, so that the church can take advantage of this opportunity God has given us. Uh, we were talking about it in Sunday school. Salt and light, right? We are, this is the time where the church's presence needs to be uh, manifested and noticeable. The world needs the church to be the church. Right now, if, 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 the, if the salt loses its favor, then the world is without hope. Amen? Amen. So we're going to spend some time today praying 
But before we do that, I want to read these scriptures to you and, uh, and speak just for a moment about prayer and intercession so that uh, we kind of understand a little bit about what we're called to do. So uh, the epistle of James, we're going to read chapter 5 beginning at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, notice the if there. We are not to presume, but if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Somebody thank God for forgiveness. Amen. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. By my count, that's the fourth time. Right? With three verses in, that's the fourth time. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer, that's the fifth time, right? Of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed. Starting to notice a pattern in James's writing here. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed, there's that magic number, seven, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I would title this, Whatever's Going On, Pray. <laughs> Whatever's Happening, Pray. Is it good? Pray. Is it bad? Pray. Are you suffering? Pray. Is somebody else suffering? Pray. Is there trouble in the land? Pray. Is everything going well in the land? Pray. Amen. Hallelujah. First, six, first Kings chapter 16, beginning at verse 29. First Kings chapter 16, beginning at verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. That's not something to boast about, is it? And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel. Well, any, any scripture that has that name in it, nothing, nothing good's going to happen now, right? For him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. If I was preaching today, I would talk about what it means when a nation begins to rebuild the things that God has destroyed. He laid as a foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up his gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Seems pretty dark, doesn't it? Let's read one more verse. And Elijah. Remember James? made a reference to Elijah. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks this morning for the precious word of God, the manna from heaven, the food for our souls, the water to our spirits. 
We are a dry and thirsty land. We are hungry for the words of God. Lord, speak to us today. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Anoint your word. Anoint every heart and mind that is here today to to hear it, to receive it by faith. Anoint the one who speaks it today. For you know his weaknesses, God. Help him to be the minister of your gospel and your truth today. Let your word take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. The church agrees. Amen. We like that passage in James. We like to kind of take it apart and we kind of hold out a couple of things that we like about it. The anointing with oil is big among us Pentecostals. We, we, we're big on the, let's dab some oil on everybody and see, what, see if the Lord doesn't help. And that's a good thing to do. Amen. And we love that effective, fervent prayer part too. But I want to talk about this ministry of intercession today in maybe a different context than the one that we normally speak about it. I was on a call uh, not too long ago with Sister Gresham and some others who uh, uh, I was asked to speak about intercession in that call. And, and uh, I began really thinking and praying about what it means to be an intercessor in the time that we are living in today. Now, I know when we normally think of the ministry of intercession, there's a, you know, there's a sense of responsibility, there's a sense of, of sort of a wanting to, uh, to, to bring blessing, to bring, to bring something good into the lives of those that we are interceding for. But you will find a pattern in Scripture quite often that before something good can happen, God has to get the attention of people. And part of being an assessor is not only going to God on behalf of the people, but also going to the people on behalf of God. And notice that, know this, that when you go to the people on behalf of God, when you are called to the the, the inverse ministry of intercession, not from earth to heaven, but from heaven to earth, very often the reaction to that ministry is quite hostile and quite negative because God doesn't raise up intercessors when all is well in the world. God raises up intercessors when the world, when the nation, when the church, when the people have lost their way. And we are among a nation of people today that have lost their way. And so we see both in a New Testament example and in an Old Testament example, the same man's ministry is mentioned. This prophet Elijah. Now I don't know about you, but from my Sunday school days, my children's church days, Elijah is one, one of the favorites. I mean, all the good stuff in the Old Testament happened with Elijah. There's that famous scene on Mount Carmel with the 400 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Ashtoreth and, and the fire. Let the God who answers by fire be God. That's one of my favorite sermons ever. I mean, that's, the, that's a Ray Hughes special if I've ever heard one. Let the fire fall from heaven again. Amen. And we know the story of the widow with the little oil and the little cake. And we know her son, when he died, Elijah was able to resurrect him. We know the ravens feeding him by the, the, the little water book there. And we know of his flight from the face of Jezebel and his complaint against God. And he's the only one left. We, we know the still small voice story. Elijah's awesome. But I don't know how many of us would really have wanted to be Elijah. It's one thing to read about him. I was listening to a, a, a podcast this week, no surprise to anybody. I was listening to a podcast this week on World War II. And the, uh, the podcast hosts, and actually the actor Tom Hanks, I don't know if you know who Tom Hanks is, He's a very popular actor today. They were, they were talking about World War II and about these incredible acts of heroism. They were talking about this boat. I guess Tom Hanks got a movie out about a captain of a boat that's got to sail these German submarine-infested waters, uh, trying, to bring, uh, uh, trying to bring supplies and relief to the troops who are fighting against Hitler. And, and you know, he's got to, he's got to, they got to travel this route, and, 
and the uh, the submarines, those U-boats, you know, that that wolf pack. They know what they they got to pass through this place, and they're just sitting there waiting for him to come to blow him out of the water. And they were they were talking. Well, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? That sounds kind of movie. I might go watch. That, that's, that's exciting. Well, they don't have movies anymore, right? No, I can go to a theater anymore. But but I, I like that kind of stuff. You know, the tension, the tension of being the captain of that boat, knowing the enemy's just waiting for you, but knowing you've got to go through anyway because people are counting. Lives are at stake and, and just throwing it all to God and just saying, you got, got me to give it to you. And, 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 and the, the podcaster asked, uh, asked Mr. Hanks, he said, hey, he said how, would you, how would you have felt? What, what, would you have wanted to be that captain? And he said, no, no, it's a much different thing to pretend to be that captain in a movie. And you actually have to be that guy. You actually have to be that guy. We all love to read about the heroes, but none of us wants to be the hero. Right? Elijah's a hero in the Bible, but none of us, I think, would willingly choose the life that Elijah had to lead. Because even though we know how it all turned out, he did not. As far as he knew, when Je- Jezebel had killed, by that time she had killed thousands of the prophets. You know, there's that story about Obadiah hiding 50 in this cave and 50 in that cave. Poor Obadiah, I feel for him because he had to play. He was the double agent. He was the, he was the servant to the king, Ahab, but he was on, secretly on the Lord's side. And so Ahab would send him out to, you know, you kind of think of those stories about those who hid the Jews in the times of Hitler, he, he, he was supposed to be out there hunting down these prophets of God. And he'd go to one place, he'd say, you hide here, you hide here. He'd go back to Ahab and say, I couldn't find anybody. You know, that, my poor guy, man, his, his hair must have been just falling out, you know. I remember that story where, where, where Elijah comes to meet Obadiah. And, and Elijah tells, says, Obadiah, go tell your master I'm coming. And Obadiah says, are you trying to get me killed? Are you trying to get me killed? I know what God's going to do. I'm going to go tell Ahab, Elijah's waiting for you over here, and then the Spirit of the Lord's going to just pick you up and, and take you somewhere else, and then he's going to kill me. And Elijah says, no, 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 don't worry about it, Obadiah. God knows you're doing good work. I want, I'm not going to set you up. I'll be here. So he goes get to Ahab. Ahab, that's that famous old troubler of Israel. Is that you? Amen. Elijah's life. Is so dramatic. It'd make an awesome movie or TV show, right? But how many of us would really want to live that way? Not knowing if we're going to walk around the corner and there's going to be the king's guard to kill us. Or not knowing. We go to this one. He, I tell you, I remember that story. I think it's a, it was after the book. He, he's out in the wilderness somewhere. He's out in the wilderness somewhere. And... He's being fed by the birds, I guess is how we read that, right? The ravens are, are bringing him food, and, and, uh, and the Lord, the, the book dries up. Either God, you know, he's in there saying, well, God's going to take care of me, right? I got food, I got water, but, you know, he's also called down famine and drought in the land, and so the water goes away. And so the Lord tells him, he says, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord says, go to Zarephath. Now, we read that in the Bible. That's okay. The widow of Zarephath. She's got the little, the little cake uh, and the little, the little flour and the little oil, and she's going to die, and her son's going to die. Right? Look up in your Bible atlas where Zarephath is. It's in Sidon. Who's from Sidon? Jezebel. He sent Elijah to her hometown. Elijah had to look at God like, are you serious? I'm, they, are, they are turning over every stone in the country looking for me, and you want me to walk right into her living room. God says, don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. Now we know. Now knowing how the story ends makes all the difference, doesn't it? But our problem right now is we don't know how the story ends. Right? We are being called to this ministry of intercession in a country, in a community, in a culture that is becoming ever more hostile. Jezebel, at least her spiritual sons and daughters, are alive and well. 
I, I could take time this morning to talk about you, this, this, this travesty of Ahab and Jezebel and, 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 and how they introduced Baal worship and how, how they, 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 they led. I, I mean, I, it, it, I know, we, not, I know we, 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 we are dealing with a story that's, you know, at this point almost 3,000 years old, but it feels so current, doesn't it? The political leader of the nation, instead of choosing for a wife one of his own people who follows the Lord, goes to a foreign country and goes, get a, goes and gets a priestess of an idolatrous religion, a religion that specializes in the sacrifice of infants. A religion that specializes in temple prostitution. Of both sides, by the way, male and female. A a religion that 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 that, that is so anti God and anti truth that, that, that it had to come from the pit of hell. And he brings her in not only as queen, as his wife, but he says, Whatever you want, build as many temples, as many groves, as many idols, as many and you, you just, you, you have to just, you know, when, when Paul talked about times getting worse and worse and, 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 and doctrines of demons and, and itching, all those things that he wrote about, you just know that this cultural shift away from the ways of God. Notice he mentions Jeroboam here. You remember that story, Jeroboam, when, when Solomon died, Rehoboam, his son, took over and and, and, and was hard on the people. Hard religion is, is going to drive people away. You've got to understand that. And, and so Jeroboam rose up and, and said, we have nothing to do with the house of David anymore. And he, he took ten tribes of, the ten tribes that didn't want to be loyal to, to David's line, and he took them and he set up his own kingdom of Israel. But he knew as long as they went down to the temple to worship, right? As long as they went down to the temple in Jerusalem where the house of David was, there would always be a risk of people wanting to go back. So what did Jeroboam do? Jeroboam built another temple and put a golden calf in it. Sound familiar? He said, here is your God who led you out of Egypt, right? That false church, that that apostasy that was so much a part of Jeroboam, that was bad enough. It was bad enough to replace the true worship of Yahweh with the false worship of Yahweh, calling something God that was not God. But now Ahab has gone, he's gone 100 miles an hour in the other direction. He said, we're not even going to pretend. We're not even going to pretend to be followers of Yahweh anymore. Right? We've held on to this idea here. And you say, what are you talking about? We've held on to this idea here for generations that we are still somehow, some way, miraculously, despite all of the evidence, we're still somehow way a Christian country. But now we've got people coming into power who say, we're not even going to pretend anymore. We're not going to call on God. Jesus, a, a, a nationally known CNN anchor, said on his program that Jesus was a sinful man just like everybody else within the last five days. Think about where we're going as a nation. That Jesus is just like anybody else, slept around like everybody else, did all the things like everybody else does. And this is a man that, that millions of people call a, a source of news. This is not some crackpot. This is not some, some, some uh, way out there in the woods kind of person. This is a person who's regarded as an authority by millions of people. We're, not even, we're shaking off even the pretense. We're not even going to pretend anymore that America has any kind of Judeo-Christian value of any kind. When we are talking about a ministry of intercession, we have to understand the time that we're in. This is not about, uh, you know, God bless America and, and, and one nation under God anymore. We're, we're gone with, we're done with that. We have to understand that our intercession, if it's of the Elijah type, it's going to be, be there's going to be more judgment than blessing. Come on. Or at least there's going to be a time of judgment 
before the time of blessing. Right? If America, if the church of God in America, let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. We were talking in Sunday school about the, is there any difference between the church and the, the culture? Could we find any? Right? Could we look at, if we looked at how people live who go to church and how people live who don't go to church, will we see a lot of difference? Come on. Let's be honest. I'm going to speak openly. If, if intercession is going to be effective, we have to understand what we're dealing with. Right? I'm not here. And this is not for me to catch. I'm not a, I'm not a rock thrower. You know that, right? I'm not a rock thrower. Judgment always begins at the house of God. I start with my heart before I look at anybody else's. But you look at where we're at right now. We have rejected God at every level of society. Things which were once called perversions are now called pride. Come on. Lifestyles that were once, at, uh, at once, even though they've always existed, they're not new. They've always been around. At least there was enough shame attached to them that they were kept in the dark. Now they're, now they're broadcast. I, I, I saw a, 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 an advertisement on a channel last night. I was uh, uh, just watching an old movie on this channel. I'm not going to name it because I'm not here to throw rocks. But this channel was founded by Pat Robertson. This was his channel. It was founded for the promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But whatever happened, happened, I don't know. He sold it off to, to whatever company bought it. They sold it off to whatever company bought it. It still claims to be a channel that promotes family values and uh, uh, high values, but they had an advertisement for this upcoming show on there. And of course, you know what it is. Two men. And I thought, and, I, and listen, I was not surprised. I wasn't even, I didn't even, I, I was annoyed more than anything else. Just, just kind of like, you know, there's no, I, even though I knew it, I, it just brought it home. There's just no safe place to go anymore. There's just no safe, there's nowhere to go. They're hitting you over the head with it every place you go. And if we're going to be intercessors at a time like this, we've got to get it into our minds that we are, by definition in this world, we are the problem. Go back to what Ahab said to Israel. Did Ahab... Did Ahab think that his sins are the reason why there was no, sin, no famine or no food in the land? Did he say, you know, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have done that thing with Jezebel? Maybe I shouldn't have done that thing with building those altars and, and, and those idols? Maybe, I, maybe it's me? No. What did he say when he saw Elijah? Is that you, troublemaker? There's a very... I, I, I hesitate whether or not to even call it a minority. Because I don't even know what the numbers would say right now. But there's a, there's a fairly significant portion of this country right now that believes people like you and me are the problem. Yeah. We're the problem. As long as we hold to these old-fashioned ideas, these old-fashioned values, we're out of step we're bigots and we're prejudiced and we're hate mongers and, and we're and if and if the world could just be rid of us that was Jezebel's plan, wasn't it? Kill all the prophets of Jehovah. Get rid of the church and all of its entire what you cannot corrupt, destroy. What you cannot pervert, destroy. Is that how the devil works? Kill, steal, destroy? And so we are facing the most critical hour the church has faced in my lifetime. I'm going to presume in yours as well. And it's not about trying to save the culture. That's not what it's all about. I, you know, I, listen, I, I appreciate very much the heritage... You know, we just came out of the 4th of July, and 
even though those men, all of them, were not righteous men. God, I, did, I do believe God worked through them. I believe he used them. And this country has done so much in the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that's been the source of our blessing all these many years. And if we can hang on to that for as long as possible, I'd be okay with that. But I understand that that is not the goal of this intercession. The goal of this intercession is not to preserve the way things are or go back to the way things used to be. Because in all honesty, the way things used to be are probably not as good as we remember anyway. There was plenty wrong. We were talking about, hey, you guys should really come to Sunday school. We had a great Sunday school class this morning. We were talking about the secular and the sacred. And I waited till class was over, but I said I reject the idea in its entirety. Sacred and secular isn't about whether you mention Jesus in your song. It's about you. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, everything you do will be sacred. And if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you can sing Amazing Grace till the cows come home and still be secular. It's about you. It's about us. And intercession is the same way. Intercession is about who we are, not about who the culture is. It's about us. That famous, the one we always quote, Ezekiel 22:30, to stand in the gap one. Look, God's looking for a man who will stand in the gap. That's what I talked about on that call. And I talked about the fact that, it, you know, James mentions it. The power of intercession is not in the prayer we pray. It's in the, one, it's in the person who's praying. What do you think about that? The power of intercession, if we transition to James very quickly, and then I'll wrap it up. Seven times we read it, right? From verse 13 to verse 18. Seven times. Pray, prayer, pray, pray, prayed, prayed. Right? In every circumstance, in every circumstance of life, whatsoever state you find yourself in, you have to pray. But when he got to that part about Elijah, he said, Elijah, we all think Elijah is something, like I said earlier, heroic. Larger than life. But what did he say about him? He said he was a man with the same nature as you and me. Same kind of... Say, we, how would we say that today? We would say, Elijah put on his pants one pair, one, one leg at a time like everybody else. He was just a man. But he was a righteous man. Take that verse backwards. Don't start with effective. Start with the person and go backwards. What makes prayer and intercession effective is, and, and listen, we should pray along. We should, yeah, I was listening to a fellow... Uh, while I was driving, I had, I had to drive. I had to run up to. Uh, I had to run up to to Port St. Lucie on on Friday to, to to do a route, and so I plugged in one of my preachers that I like, old country Methodist preacher, old holiness. I, that's what I that's what I like when I just driving on the road. Those old holiness preachers. You know, he's not even Pentecostal, but boy, I tell you, he put that word on you. He'll put that word on you. He was talking about. He was talking. He was. He was preaching about about how this 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 prayer ministry is isn't about this or that. He says you pray until you get through. If you get through in the first five minutes, praise God. If it takes you five weeks, but you pray until you get through. You pray until you touch God. You pray until you get the answer. You pray until you feel the assurance in your soul that God has heard you. I was thinking about that. Boy, he got me. He got me good. You pray until. And we talk about this prayer in James. He says, if you're sick, pray. Pray until when? Until God touches your body. He says, if someone else is sick, you pray. How long? Until God touches them. You pray however long it takes. You pray as often as it takes. 
You pray it every day if you have to. But you don't stop praying until you know that God has heard you and until God has answered. Now, I know sometimes we think about intercession, we don't really look at ourselves too deeply, but the intercessor is the key. The effective, fervent prayer of an unrighteous man is useless. Well, I've known some people in my day who could call down heaven. They could make the walls rattle and the walls shake. But nothing would ever come of it. Nothing would ever come of it. You think you'd have the greatest prayer meeting in the world? You come back next week and everything's exactly the way it was. Nothing had changed. This isn't about just making the scene, church. It's not just about having a moment we can point to and say, boy, didn't that feel good? The point of intercession is to make a difference. And if it doesn't make a difference, if it's not effective, what's the point of it? And what makes it effective is the righteousness and the faith and the fervency of the one who's interceding. I told somebody at work not long ago, I said, you can tell them what you, you can tell them what to do, but you can't make them care. Right? You can tell them what to do. You can give them all the instructions. Give them the handbook. This is how you do this job and do it well. But whether they care about doing it well, whether they care about doing it right, whether they care about being good at what they're doing is beyond your power. I tell them when I hire them, I says, oh, I says, I will train you to be the best courier that this company's ever seen. And if it's up to my training, you will be. But it's not up to my training. It's up to you. It's hard to intercede when we don't care. It's hard to be a good intercessor when, you don't, when you're not all that concerned about what's happening around you. Some people are at peace with the, what's going on in the world right now. Some people think society, some Christians think, yeah, you know, it's not so bad out there. They're going to be terrible intercessors because they have no conviction about what they're praying. But what I'm telling you today, church, is we have seen a tidal shift in our society. We are no longer the majority. We are a minority growing more minority by the day. And our work of intercession is not going to be appreciated. It is not wanted. It is not desired. They're not interested in what we have to say anymore. I laughed. <laughs> I just laughed. You know, it's funny how clueless. How clueless. I, was it the, what's, I don't remember what state it was. One of the governors, one of the states, was finally letting people go back to church. He says, you can go back to church, but you can't sing. <laughs> I just, clearly this is a governor that has no clue what church is. No, here is someone who has, probably hasn't set, other than a political photo opportunity, probably hasn't set foot in church in his entire life. That's the world we live in today. They don't understand us. They don't know what we're about. They don't understand why we don't run riot to the things that they run riot to. They don't understand why we don't seek the things that they want. They don't understand why we don't care about this or that the way they care about this or that. They don't understand us. We're the freaks. We're the oddballs. We're out of touch. And we're also the only thing standing between this country and the wrath of God. This ministry of intercession this call to pray in the church and outside the church is a heavy burden for those who take it. You ask God to make you an intercessor, God's not going to leave you alone. I say this, I say this, I said this to somebody once about preaching. I said, if you can, if you can avoid being in the pulpit and still be saved, do it. <laughs> That's my problem. 
I couldn't stay saved unless I preached. I said, it's a, it may look glamorous. I know I look up here, I'm so handsome and tall, and, and I speak so eloquently, and you just almost think, oh man, that guy, he was born to be a preacher. Let me tell you something. Every part of my being at the time looked at this, look at this calling as the greatest burden, greatest imposition. Of my, how dare God call me to do something I didn't want to do? I fought it. I fought. I tell you what, if I could have figured out, just figured out how to stay saved. I'm telling you, this call to intercession, it's tough. Because it's not just going to be about you in your secret place, going to your car, going to your home today, and being an intercessor today, and, and nobody else. It's not going to work that way all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to stand right up in the middle of 850 prophets of the enemy. And say, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. I got an idea. Let's get everybody together. I, I always say that it, whenever I want to have a meeting, at, well, whenever there's any dispute at work, I say, let's get all the liars in the same room. Get all the liars in the same room. See what happens. Sometimes being an intercessor, it's going to be hard and you're going to be alone. Elijah, poor Elijah. I feel bad for him sometimes. I don't mind, I don't mind so much that camping by the water book thing. That kind of sounds peaceful. Let's go pitch your tent over there by a little stream. I'll have some birds flying some food to you every day. Boy, I, could probably get, I could probably get down with that for a while. Very peaceful. Nobody around to bother you. Just enjoying a little country air. Nice little clear brook. You know, bird song. Doesn't that sound peaceful? Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Of course, you have to wonder every day that there, you know, some soldier might figure out where you are and put a spear through you, but that's a whole different thing. It's lonely. You're the enemy. We're the enemy. We're the enemy yeah. of this world right now. Yeah. And we are seen as the problem. And yet God calls us to pray. Just pray, pray, and pray. Whatever circumstance you face, for good or ill, pray. Whatever situation is happening around you, pray. Whatever's happening to your family, pray. Because in the time of trouble to come, and there will be trouble to come, God is looking for those who will be found faithful. I was looking for those who would be found faithful. When James is writing this letter to the Christians, he brings up Elijah as a point of reference. He wants us to understand that the ministry of prayer is powerful. It's powerful. Look at the example he cited. This man prayed that it would not rain. See, part of your intercession, you're not going to just go be around. It can't just be going around and bless everybody. That's not intercession. I know some of his intercession is, well, Lord, I know, I know people ain't living right, but you know what, God, just bless them and take care. Oh. Sometimes being an intercessor means, God, you see the wickedness, and the evil, and you cannot, and, and, and you're going to be praying, God, take your blessing off of that. Take your blessing off of that. Oh, no, Pastor, I can't pray that way. Then you can't be an effective intercessor. I know we only want good things to happen for, especially for the people we love. We only want good stuff to happen. I'm getting into dangerous territory. I'm about done. About done. It'd be real easy to, to think that Elijah just, just, didn't, just didn't care about anybody else. How can a man pray for famine? Pray for drought? And say with a straight face that he loves the people he's praying for. Can we really do that? Can we say, oh, I love these people, but God, 
I want you to do something so drastic in their life that it either saves them or kills them. No, no, not me, Pastor. I'm going to let you serious intercessors deal with that stuff. I'm just going to sit back over here and God just help everybody. Listen, what God is calling the church to in this hour, it's, it's serious business. And I'm saying now, if you don't intend to be serious about it, leave it alone. Leave it alone. If you don't intend to be serious about it, because you're going to find yourself in the way of God. More and more, I'm convinced. I, I, I'm not all the way 100% there there, but more and more, I am convinced that we are, if we are not, I don't know that we are in a time specifically that's prophesied as great tribulation, but I believe we are seeing the birth pains. We are seeing the labor pains. I believe we're seeing the, 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 the precursor events, the things that are setting the system up so that when the whole thing collapses, the beast can just step in like that. I believe all of that, we're seeing the, we are seeing the, the train ain't here yet, but we're seeing the tracks put down. There may be no turning this around. If God is moving us to that moment of departure that we've all sung about and prayed about for so long, and we can still say, even so, come Lord Jesus, understanding that our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed, understanding that we shall be changed, but also understanding the bitter, the bitter cost of our deliverance from this world for those who are left behind. If you can't handle it, leave it alone. Crawl back into the comfort of whatever paradigm of faith that just lets you go on believing that Jesus just wants to bless everybody in the world, keep everybody happy, make everybody get along. I think there's probably a path there you can still end up in, in the kingdom of God somehow. But we, we who the Lord is speaking to in our hearts, who understand the calling that he's giving the church in this hour. Not just to intercede on behalf of earth for heaven, but to intercede for heaven on behalf of earth. To say to this world as God's intercessors, the judgment of God the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. It would be different if this was all just Old Testament stuff and we could say, hey, the cross fixed all that. We're good to go. But unfortunately, boy, if the story, boy, wouldn't, how, how, how much different our Bibles would be if the story had just ended at the cross and the empty tomb? That's just it. Jesus fixed it all. Everything's all right now. We're all going to heaven. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But unfortunately, the Holy Spirit kept speaking. And he spoke to men like Paul and James and John and Peter. And he told them, for those outside the cross, all those terrible, bad, horrible, wrathful things are still in play. God is bringing things to a, to a head. Our churches are going to get emptier from this point on if this is the way it goes. If we're following the path, we're going to be fewer. In, I mean, as a, individual churches will bless, but in terms of making a difference overall in the community, we're going to be fewer and fewer voices until there's either revival Or until the Lord comes. So if you can live a content and happy Christian life and not be concerned about what's going on around you, 
Go ahead. But for those of us that understand the hour we're living in and the call that God is putting on the church, it cannot be business as usual anymore. Whether there's five of us here, or 50, or whatever it is, we have been called to engage this culture on behalf of heaven itself. To call sin, sin, and to call down the judgment of God on those who are in disobedience that they might repent. That they might repent. God's not playing games here anymore. God's not playing games here anymore. Say, Pastor, don't you have anything good to tell us today? Yes, I do. Something wonderful to tell you. God is still God. Jesus is still Lord. Greater is he who dwells in you than he who is in this world. And the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous still avails. We're not losing. Sounds that way, it looks that way. But the kingdom of God does not come with elections or Supreme Courts or Congresses or cultural wins. The kingdom of God comes when the righteous stand up and proclaim the grace and peace and mercy of our God. We are still on the right side of this church. We're still on the right side of this And nothing testifies to that like the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing testifies to that like the cross. God bless you today. Greet each other. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.